Ultimately, everything kind of boils down to one question. What's the fucking point? So, let's talk about it. I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and this podcast brings a little levity and a lot of curiosity to some of the biggest questions and ideas that us meager humans can ponder. Join me and our guests each week as we dig into topics around consciousness, spirituality, psychology, and philosophy, all with a healthy dose of existential angst. And now, today's episode. Hey, podcast fam. Welcome to episode number seven. It's going to be a short and sweet intro this week because it is late. It's after 10 p.m. here on Monday night, the day before this episode releases. We just got back from a road trip to Texas, short and sweet, visiting family and friends all over the place. So we were in the car for 10 plus hours today, so I'm exhausted, but it was a wonderful, wonderful trip. I'm so glad that got to see everybody. And our guest for this week's episode is my sweet friend, Sarah Jane Chapman. Sarah Jane is a yoga instructor and massage therapist and massage educator here in Nashville. And I've had a a couple of Nashville friends on so far, which is awesome because I I also have interviews set up with people from all over the place, um, like our last week's interview with Karen Kenny, which if you have not checked it out, highly recommend checking out that episode too. So a little bit about Sarah Jane. She was born in upstate New York where she would spend her days climbing trees and laying in the grass. She started practicing yoga at age 14, which helped her through some of the most difficult times in her life. She traveled to Rishikesh, India in 2012 where she became certified in Hatha Yoga. Soon after, she moved to Nashville wanting to explore or wanting to offer more to her students and expand her knowledge of the body. She went to the Mind Body Institute to become a massage therapist in 2015. She offers a plethora of bodywork and Reiki as well as astrology and tarot readings. Now, Sarah Jane lives in East Nashville with her husband and Pitbull still climbing trees and laying in the grass. So, If that intro doesn't do it for you, I don't know what's your problem because Sarah Jane is a peach and you're about to find that out for yourself and I am going to get a good night's sleep and prepare for my next journey to Portland in a few days, which I'm also super excited about. So without further ado, here's Sarah Jane Chapman. I was just telling you, I was just practicing this morning and, uh, I was um, traveling all weekend and mm-hmm. I was in the car. We drove to Colorado. So I was in the car for one day, like 14 hours. And then the next day, like eight hours. And today was the first day that I like really got to like practice, practice. And I just feel like I'm ah. human again. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm feeling really good right now. And do you do mostly like vinyasa, mostly ashtanga? I do like a a little bit of a hybrid. Mm -hmm. I mean, my teacher, Jillian, um, is, I mean, she does like a bunch of different things, but she's a Shanga trained. And so she teaches this class called a mix up. And so it kind of Mm. starts with a Shanga style and then it kind of goes into vinyasa. So I usually, in my home practice, like definitely start with like five cent salutation A's, five cent salutation B. Like I kind of start with that just to get my body into it. And then I just like do whatever. Yeah. 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 I've never, I've actually never done an Ashtanga practice. So I've been kind of like eyeing the schedule at that. Oh, you would love it. You would love it. It's great. I mean, it's the foundation of what vinyasa, it's like vinyasa is like Ashtanga's child. And so (laughs) it's, you know, like if you practice vinyasa, like it'll make a lot of sense. It's just a little bit more structured. Yeah. Right. And it is the same flow. I mean, the primary series is the same every time, yeah, right? It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So you do like, you have like your warm up with your, or your like sun A's and sun B's and then you do standing series and then balancing mm-hmm. and then primary starts after that. Primary is actually all seated, mm-hmm. but you, between the postures, you do like a vinyasa. So like your heart rate stays up. So you stay warm basically. Cool. So yeah. it's, it can be very challenging, but, um, where I've learned it, it's like, 
do what you can, you know, Ashanga has the, has the reputation of being a little bit really of strict of the Rich, being like, rigid. well, you're, you're done. And then you're out, you know, <laughs> where we're like, do what you can. Here's moderation, you know, modification. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it also depends on the culture of the studio and the teacher yes. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. N- normally that's something that would absolutely not appeal to me because yeah. I will probably like mention this on every single interview, but as an Enneagram seven, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, that's, boring. you can't tell me what to do. Well, yeah. like doing the same thing every time. That's so boring. But it's funny because I, I get the yoga journal, um, magazine. I don't even remember if I like paid for it or got it through something. Yeah. I, I it's yeah. one of those that I'm like, I am glad that I get it because it's really good for collages, but I rarely read it, which is terrible. Um, But I actually recently read an article in one of my yoga journal magazines. It was like whoever the cover, I'll try to find it, put in the show notes, but whoever the cover person was, was an Ashtanga practitioner and talked about how she practiced for many years before finding Ashtanga and then didn't think she would like it and fell in love with it. So that's what kind of made me go, "Uh, maybe I should check this out. Yeah. I mean, I will say when I first started practicing, I was doing vinyasa. And then even when I first started like going to and teaching at Steadfast, um, I wouldn't go to the primary. Like I took it once. I was like, I hate this. But then like <laughs> now I like it. Yeah. Cool. It's almost like I needed that foundation of knowledge and like the ability to be free to feel like I want to be a little bit more structured. And then I yeah. like go through phases where then I'm like, I want to be structured and then I want to be free. And then I want you know, yes, it's like totally. the ebbs and flows of it. Yeah. And when did you do your teacher training and what was it that sort of made you go, I, I want to not only do this, but I want to teach it. So I did my teacher training. So I've done two teachers. Well, I've done a couple, but the first one I actually did was kids yoga in oh, cool. 2010. Yeah. In uh, New York city. So I'm from upstate New York mm-hmm. and, um, I had been practicing since I was 14 or 15 years old. Um, I was just like an awkward kid and I was like bad at sports. My mom was like, let's try <laughs> yoga. That looks easy. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So we would do this. Um, do you remember the oxygen channel? Oh God. It's like there in the back of my brain, but I can't really remember what it was. It's like lifetime, but like maybe a little bit like less like, you know, movie drama. It's like, it's like in the same vein. It's like Mm -hmm. a, it's like a channel for women basically. Well, they had a yoga class, um, called inhale with Steve Ross. And he's like this, he, I like learned about him. He like used to be like a musician and he used to go on tour and all this stuff. And, but then he would always be practicing and he kind of looks like Sting, which is kind of <laughs> funny, but he's like this like balding, like goofy man who like plays like Motown music. Awesome. And I just like love to I actually think that's where my like love of bald men came. My husband is <laughs> like goofy uh. bald men. But I was like, but yeah, and I just, I loved it. And I remember, and I was still, I had like a lot of insecurities about my body and that like 45 minutes of practicing, I would feel like okay in my body. And it would last for maybe like 30 minutes afterwards. And then I would go back to hating myself. But like that little like window of time was like the only time that I was like, I'm okay in my body right now, you know? Awesome. And that was so magical for me. And, um, and so like in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to do this. I want to do this. But then I was like, oh, but I can't. Oh, because I'm what, you know, whatever right. that, yeah, that narrative. And so I would like continue to do home practices. I wouldn't really practice in studios. I like got a bunch of books and I would like do videos and just like whatever I could do. And at the time, like it wasn't as popular as, as it is now. Yeah. Obviously this is like the early 2000s. Um, And then I was like, well, I really want to teach this, but I still feel like I'm not like good enough. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, air quotes, good enough. And so I was like, maybe I'll teach kids yoga. Like I was a nanny at the time and I was like, this would totally fit right in. So I found this kids yoga training. So I did that in 2010 at Karma Kids Yoga in New York City and um, like fell in love with it. And then I went and I started teaching that where, where I was living in Albany, New York for a little while. And I was in school and I was like, kind of, and I was like an art major. And I was like, this is, I mean, I love this, but like, what am I going to do with this? And I was just right. like, oh, you know, it's just kind of, um, you know, I was, 
I wasn't really happy with what with the path I was going down. And I was like, I just want to teach yoga. And so I looked up, this was 2012, beginning of 2012. I looked up uh, yoga teacher trainings abroad because I wanted to travel. I was like, if I'm oh, going to do this. I might as well cool. like, travel. So I, found, so I went to Rishikesh in India. Oh, and so the place I, didn't I went know that. was That's Rishikesh amazing. Yogi. Yeah, it was, it was really incredible. And I just like worked every job I could work, like saved up all my money. I was like cleaning houses and serving and nanny, like I was anything, any money I could get. And I just actually was, I was so broke that I bought my ticket there. I was like, if I buy my ticket there, then I have to go. But then I was like, <laughs> then I'll, and I'll like figure out how I'm going to get home. Awesome. It was reckless. But yeah, so October of 2012 was when I did my teacher training. Cool. And, and I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like it was just so, it was just like felt so right. Because it was yeah. just such a big tool for me in my own healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I, so, um, tomorrow I'm going to be preaching at Riverbend prison. Um, uh, yeah. Cause it's like our, so the Unitarian Universalist Association, which is the denomination where I go, they, um, or the, whatever you call it, um, they have an annual like general assembly and in Mm -hmm. a different city every year where like all the people from all congregations all over the country and, and beyond come. And uh, so all of our like ministerial staff is there. And so they're like, wow. oh, hey, you're interested in getting involved in prison ministry. Do you want to preach? I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and our general theme for this month is spiritual practices. And so I was like, wow, gosh, what am I going to do? And and one of the women was like, well, why don't you talk about yoga? Because I also just did the prison yoga project yeah. training, and I'm going to be starting to do some of that locally soon too um, through Small World. And um, so I was like, oh, that's easy because I actually gave a sermon at the church on yoga a couple summers ago. So I got Perfect. to just like edit it and everything. Yeah. So I'm like last night going through the sermon and doing all this editing. And it was it was funny because it brought – like now I yoga is just like sort of like a part of my life and I – and I don't mm-hmm. really question that. But even a couple of years ago when I was writing that and kind of having to go back and remember sort of like my relationship with yoga, it was, I described it as like um, in the book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott talks about how basically in Christianity or Jesus for her was like this little cat that followed her around everywhere. And she's like, don't want to let this freaking cat in. You let a cat in one time. And, it, <laughs> and so, but she, she had this experience at like um, kind of this gospel oriented church that just like dropped her into, into herself. And she was yeah. just like, all right, fine, come in. And that was yeah. sort of yoga for me. I was just like, oh, I know yoga is something that I'm supposed to like, and it's yeah. like good for you. And I know that it's supposed to be like good for people who are doing healing work and I want to help people do healing work, but it's so like, I'm like, Shavasana is boring. Like, let me get up and go. I've got things. It's that freaking Capricorn thing that I, (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, I've got work to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, uh, was very reluctant. I sort of did yoga because I thought it was something that was good to do because you're supposed to do that. And then it's been really cool just kind of seeing how, it sort of organically has been like something I've sort of relaxed and softened into. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yoga is funny. I feel like people enter it for so many reasons. And even if their reasons aren't um, always the kindest reasons, I feel like yoga always wins. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, like, yes. I mean, part of mine too, was I was also, um, and I'm sure we're going to end up talking about this. I was also yeah. like deep in, in an eating disorder yeah. when I, when I first started practicing and that was, I wasn't doing the over-exercising. It definitely morphed into that, you know, down the road for me at one point. It wasn't an over-exercise thing, um, but I was like highly restricting and um, that, that like time, that short time that I was like in the practice, in the asana practice and like a little bit after was like the only time that I wasn't like concerned with my body, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and so oh, no, I feel like you froze. Yeah, I can hear you fine, but the audio, I mean the video is frozen. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um Okay, good. Yeah, I mean I hear that all the time of like people who it are it are approaching yoga from more of the exercise perspective. Of, yes. And yeah. I mean it's it's frustrating to me how 
like 90% of the yoga schedule in a city like this, and I imagine most other cities of this size, yeah. are like power yoga, hot yoga classes. Because mm-hmm. I those are great, like yeah. nothing against it, even yeah. though hot yoga will never probably be my thing. Um, and even mm-hmm. power yoga, I kind of struggle um, struggle with. But I'm just like, there needs to be more gentle classes because so many people, yeah. like, that's their only impression of what yoga is. Yeah. And either that or, like, you know, occasionally they'll do a restorative class. But I love the really kind of gentle flow, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's funny because even though I practice a little bit more like the Ashtanga style, that's what I, I teach a little, a lot more of a gentle yoga. Yeah. A lot of my students have injuries or I get a lot of pregnant women, Mm. you know, like I have people with all these different things happening. And so I actually really like, for me, it's like a detective thing where I'm like, okay, this is happening with you. This is happening with you. This is happening with you. These are ways. And I love to like use props that we can like get into this. This thing is tight on you. Let's open up that, you know, like I like to use it as a, I feel like it's such a great tool to get into the body. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as long as your your motivation for being in the class in the first place is not to just to burn calories and <laughs> exactly exactly body. it all comes back down to intention right yeah so that's when I feel like yoga wins because e- yeah. even if people go in with that intention and they may stay there for a few years if they yep. continue with the path then they'll be like oh there's other things yeah yeah yep. sometimes it just takes a little while exactly I. Yeah. I I've read a bunch of teacher bios just as I'm like checking out studios. And that's, that's like the theme is like, originally I came to yoga for the physical practice, but then I discovered that actually what was, you know, most healing or most beneficial for me were all the other pieces of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to the body stuff and yeah. the eating disorder kind of stuff, anything that you want to share about just your, your journey with that? Yeah. Yeah. So about the time when probably like a year or two before I started practicing, I was like 11 or 12. I was just, you know, I was, uh, older for my class, like being an October baby. I was like Mm -hmm. one of the oldest kids and I just like went through puberty really young. Like I got my period when I was like almost 11. Yeah. I was like 10 or 11. And I just started to change faster than my friends. And I was starting to feel like my body wasn't okay. So um, I started to like, well, I would do like the binge restrict cycle, all that super fun stuff. Um, (laughs) And that kind of continued throughout high school and then into early college. And, and I mean, I have no idea why, but I started, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 21. Mm -hmm. And there's a theory that I have that this may have contributed to that, like the stress on the body, the like, also, and we might end up talking about chakras, um, Mm. the, you know, my solar plexus, my like middle, like confidence area was basically non-existent. Um, I was, it's funny. I have this memory as I, I teach about the chakras, um, at the massage school that I, that I work at. And, um, I always say, girls, what are we told from a young age? And they're like, suck it in. <laughs> like it's universal. Yes. Right. Oh my God. And I remember being young, like 10, like around that same time and being like taking a bath and like looking at my belly. And I was like, Oh, if I just like suck this in, then like it stays in, you know, oh. and telling my mom that she was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, this is, that's how it works. Fucked up. Yeah, yeah, this is crazy. So, um, but then I continued with that, you know, I mean, you know, along with all my other restricting and stuff for a while. And I think, you know, that probably contributed to my disconnection with my confidence, my personality. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know what I liked. Um, and did and, you realize at this point that like what you were doing was quote disordered, like wasn't just like a normal Well, behavior? no, because I thought it was normal. Right. Because it's, it's completely normalized. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it was, it was everywhere. Like all the, I mean, that's the thing. That's what's so, that's what's so tricky about our, the diet culture that we live in is that it's everywhere and we're constantly being told like, Oh, you need to look like this. This is the in body the now. This is the, you know, like, which yeah. is like so ridiculous, which yeah. is like, abs- it's so funny 
um, I teach at a, a treatment center and there's a, like a, I was teaching a women's group and it was mostly younger girls, um, in their teens. And they were like, and like, I have a big booty and they're like, Ooh, how'd you get that booty? And I was like, I was born with it. And they're like, I'm trying to get a booty like that. And I'm just <laughs> like, I, I mean, like when I was your age, the cool thing was like, no, butt and like right. big boobs, which yeah. I did not have. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you know that bodies go in and out of style? What if you just like loved your body as it is? Yeah. And then it wasn't really bad. Like crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So it didn't feel like weird. whatever, miss. Like, exactly. <laughs> and that's like what all my friends were doing too. You know, we were all playing all these games. That I think I was, there were times when I was probably a little bit more extreme mm -hmm. than others, or maybe sometimes that they were more extreme than I was, but yeah. you know, just, um, and it's just so funny just thinking back, like, all my weird little medical issues that I had. I would have all these like digestive issues. Mm -hmm. I was anxious. Like my Vata energy was like definitely out of yeah. control. But I will say after I was diagnosed with diabetes, um, I did become a little bit more aware that I needed to like be a little bit healthier, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know what that meant. And so, you know, I tried on a bunch of different kinds of, uh, lifestyle choices, <laughs> diets, you know, <laughs> yep. and then, um, you know, honestly it was when I started meditating that really helped mm. me to just kind of like be okay with my body. I would start sitting and just like a mindfulness meditation was like actually too much for me. Just like sitting yeah. and still with my body. Yeah. was like way too intense. So I started doing loving kindness meditation, the meta, and I did it every day for a year. Mm -hmm. And it like that's kind of that was the real breakthrough. Even when the um, disordered eating actions or habits were gone, my thoughts were still there, and the meditation really helped me to sort through that and you know work with the relationship with my body and with myself. Yeah. Awesome. That was really powerful. And I know we've yeah. talked about like a part of that journey for, for you, for me, for um, so many of us has also been getting exposed to the messages that are counter to the mainstream. Yes. Right? To all yes. the like, oh, wait, there are people who are calling bullshit on all of this yeah. stuff and yeah. who are telling, like telling the truth about it. And so with things like the food psych podcast and, and, exposure to other messages it's yeah. that helps so much oh 100 percent. yeah i mean yeah foods and it was funny because i was i remember i mean i i love podcasts and so i was searching i was like something and i knew there was something wrong i was like my i've stopped the habits my brain is still in this like not great place and so i was looking and i was like nutrition i was like no you know and it would be like a skinny woman like holding an apple like, no that's not right like i was like i didn't know what i was looking for but i knew i wasn't looking for that and yeah. then i saw food psych and i read the description and i was like oh this sounds interesting and i just picked a random episode and i start bawling yeah. because they were like i was like someone is talking about the things that like i felt my whole life but i haven't been able to put words to yeah and yeah that really changed my life and then she introduced me to intuitive eating and health at every size and yeah, it just yeah. Kind of snowballed from there. Well, and I loved the words that you used on my, my little questionnaire of yes. body liberation advocate. Yes. Cause I'm like, that's, yes. that's what it is, right? Yeah. It's like beyond all of the surface level talk about food and that there's no bad foods and all of this stuff. Ultimately it's about liberation. Yes. It's about how, all of this has been used as a means of oppression for oh. women largely, but then also yeah. men have had their own kind of struggles yeah. around it too. But that if yeah. we are going to be liberated and seen as humans and not just objects to be adorned yes. and admired, you know, and objectified and all, I don't know, all of yeah. that. Then that's not mine. I got that from food psych and health yeah. size. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that's a, yeah, that's like a term yeah. in the ether. Um, but I just, yeah, I love that. I love that, that too. That feels, that feels, and also, um, and I was actually thinking about this today. Um, but this is a thing that comes up too, you know, the, the body love thing. It actually also feels like a repression because sometimes you don't love your body and like, that's also okay. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And that I have to w walk through that with clients all the time because I'm like, 
that's it's still not the fucking most important thing about you. So yeah. like I do this like pie chart where I'm like, okay, <laughs> where what percentage of your worth or sense of self, like where where does it come from? So let's break yeah. down the percentages. And like let's say that for someone who's really deep in an eating disorder, um, or or even just like sucked into the sort of diet culture and maybe maybe they aren't active in behaviors, but they're still in the mindset that it's like 80% appearance. And then that only leaves 20% for like everything else for like your, your work and your spirituality and like all these other things that give you that sense of worth or, or sense of self. And so I tell them like the most important thing is not like learning to like be like, Oh damn, I look good. I mean, that's nice if you get to that point and, and that's like a goal. Sure. Sure. But what's even more important is starting to grow those other pieces of the pie so that this piece starts to shrink because it yeah. doesn't just shrink on its own. Like we've got to really value the other things about ourselves in order for that to kind of become less important. So yes, 100%. Yeah. And when I was like very deep in that disorder, I didn't even know what I liked. Right. You know, I was thinking about that too. Um, when I was starting to, when I started doing the intuitive eating and started reintegrating foods, I literally was like, I don't even know what food I like to eat mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was, I was like, this is healthy. This is healthy. And these right. are all quotes. Like, you know, this is this, this, this gives me this. I need to eat this. However many of these today. My whatever. macros. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, what do I even like? Mm-hmm. I did. I, I mean, it probably took me a solid six months to a year to be like, I like this. I actually don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't even know. Like right. if I never eat and no offense to people who like kale, but if I never eat kale again, like I'll be fine. Like I don't <laughs> <think> kale. <Yeah. laughs> but I was eating it every day. And what's funny too is that like, sorry, this is TMI, but when I was like also deep in my disorder eating, I was so gassy. Yeah. And that was like, also, I think because I had a, a Vata imbalance uh-huh. um, with the Ayurvedic doshas. So and, but I also think contributing to that was me eating like a lot of kale, like a lot of like broccoli, like all the cruciferous vegetables right. because they're quote unquote healthy. Yeah. But, and I like broccoli fine, but yeah, I don't really like kale. Well, I mean, the, that the volume of all of these that you were eating was oh, more than what your body yeah. wanted. Yeah. Oh, probably. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just, it's funny. It's like now my stomach is totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I just eat what feels good. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have to like have anxiety about it. I love it. That's liberation, yeah. right? It liberation. Yeah. Yes. And so then you were inspired to start an intuitive eating kind of group um, yeah. format, right? Yes. And so yeah. that's kind of how we got connected. Yeah. Um, but that's been really cool. I mean, even yeah. though it's only been around a short time, just to see these again, mostly women, not exclusively women, but come in and be able to have a space where they're like, oh yeah, other people are talking about this. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's been really, I mean, the thing that I, because when I started listening to Food Psych and doing the intuitive eating, like reading the book and, and then a year later, the workbook came out and I just felt so lonely with it because Mm -hmm. I was experiencing it on my own. And I feel like I was hearing the truth but then I would go into the world and so-and-so's cutting this out of their diet and so-and-so is talking about calories and, you know, whatever. And so it was like, I feel so lonely. I basically, I just wanted friends. <laughs> I, I was like, I want friends that I can like have conversations about like other things, Yes. you know, I don't want to hear about what diet you're on or <laughs> how you're cutting this out or your pant size. Like I don't care about any of those things. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to open that up for other people. And when I would talk about it, they'd be like, oh, that feels like a true thing. And I'm like, yeah. Also, so my husband, and he wouldn't care of me sharing this, he's been in recovery for um, 12 and a half years. Mm-hmm. And obviously like being together, like his friends became my friends and all that. And so a lot of my friends are in recovery. And I've also been like, I was like so jealous of their community, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like that, you know, that strengthening of having, um, like the, the support and the healing around something. And people Um, who are, you're already on a deeper level with, you're already connecting around not just superficial topics. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. And I was like, I want that for myself. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and will you share a little bit about Against the Stream and like what yeah. you guys are doing with that in Nashville? Yes. Um, so Against the Stream. So, and actually we will be changing the name. Oh, wow. Coming in um, probably a couple months or so. The Against the, the main Against the Stream is based out of LA mm-hmm. and they're dissolving as a okay place yeah so we are we're doing our we're gonna call it wild heart meditation oh i love it which is sweet yes but we're located on um gallatin road in east nashville kind of off trinity and it's a donation-based meditation center we offer different classes a lot of them are like intro to mindfulness um we also hold a lot of groups and meetings there um intuitive eating. Um, we have an LGBTQI uh, meditation group there that meets monthly. We have just like all sorts of, and we have like day-long meditations. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also host uh, a group called Refuge, or a meeting called Refuge Recovery, which is uh, recovery, like it's it's like like AA, like 12-step, um, but it has a little bit of its own system. And um, we always include meditation and mindfulness as, as part of that programming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And it's, it's not just for folks who are in drug and alcohol recovery. It's also process addiction. So yeah, any sort of like, you know, media, eating disorders, food, all this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's really awesome. And even for people who are listening to this from other places, I would just encourage them to check out like yeah. maybe your city has something like this that you might not yes. even know about. For sure. Refuge recovery is in, I don't remember how many, but in a lot of cities in the United States. And even if it's not in your city, it might be in a city that's close to you. And also we know a lot of people who we like host um, yearly conferences. Um, it's usually in the fall, I believe. Um, and so folks that are interested, they can come to the conference, and learn how to start their own meeting in their own city or town if there's not one already there. Yeah. Awesome. So um, to make a completely non-graceful segue. Okay. (laughs) I was just glancing (laughs) at my notes like, oh my gosh, what else do we need to talk about? Nature. Yes. Um, Which I think is something that we share very similar values and experiences around. And since you just went on this lovely trip, I don't know if there's anything that just – you want to share about that experience or just how nature sort of fits into your sense of spirituality and meaning in your life? Yeah, 100%. So I actually, where I grew up, we grew up on about an acre of land and it was, it's funny because it was on a very busy road, um, but we had a bunch of woods behind us. So as a child, I was very spiritual in the way that I wasn't spiritual in like a, um, like an organized way, but I would just like go into the woods and just like kind of be there and like mm-hmm. make little it's so funny because I'm getting back into this now and I'm like my inner child is like so happy I would make like perfumes <laughs> where I would like <laughs> gather flowers and twigs and like put it into water and be like it's a perfume whatever like I didn't know what I was that's doing that's adorable but, you know I would, yeah <laughs> and I just like loved I could just be honestly if I could be barefoot outside forever I would just be in heaven oh my yes. goodness but um, my husband, but I've lived in so many places in the past and throughout my 20s. And um, my husband and I just bought a house. And the, like, the thing I'm most excited about this house is that I get to have a garden. Woo. And so this year I started my first garden in like many, many years. And I have a blueberry bush. I have um, tomatoes, cool. peppers, okra. Um, I have a watermelon, like, I don't even know what it's considered, but I have watermelon growing, but it's not like growing yet, but the vines are growing and it's like out of control. (laughs) And, um, and then like a bunch of herbs and stuff. And I am just like in heaven, like every morning I like walk outside and I like talk to my plants and I water them and I weed and I do all the stuff. And yeah, I'm just, I mean, as soon as it gets warm enough just to be outside, I meditate outside. Yeah. If I could just be outside, I am 100% like in the grass just yeah. outside. Yeah. So that's to me is I feel like, I feel like that's when I feel the most spiritually connected. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, this is like a thing that we came from. This is a thing that I respect and it just feels like 
home to me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'm reading a bunch of, I've been reading a bunch of books about like trees and nature. And one of my favorite books is uh, called Gathering Moss by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Mm. I'm, I'm obsessed with moss too. But um, so this book that I'm reading right now is talking <coughs> about your little buzzer thing is going off on your phone. Sorry, I'm putting it on. The book I'm reading right now is talking about deep ecology, which is sort of one of those concepts that I've like heard of, but I didn't really know what it meant. And yeah. so I, I still don't feel like I know it well enough to like articulately really describe it. But one of the things that, that I was reading just last night, it was talking about how it's sort of making the shift from caring for the planet because it's the right thing to do. And like, it's the sort of like altruistic thing morally yeah. to do, yeah. but rather caring for it because you are it and it is you and caring for it is yeah. caring for you, right? Like 100%. obviously we have to use the, the resources of the planet. And so that is a reason yeah. to care for it. Yeah. But, but yeah, like just that, that interconnection interwoven at a, a different level, which was like, that really spoke to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's very true. And it's, it's one of those things that like it, it res it's, it just feels so true. You're yes. like, yeah, of course this is me. Right. You know, and there are ways to, and this, this is something about the trip that I was just on. We went to Colorado and I mean, first of all, I've never been there. And just as soon as we got to the mountains, we were all just like, like glued to the windows of the car. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, it's just so, have you been to Colorado before? I only for like a day. So it doesn't count. Yeah. Oh, we went camping in the Rocky mountains. It went, we were like camped next to a stream. It was just oh. like, it was such a dream, but the, we stayed in the B and B. Our friends were getting married um, in this tiny little town I'll call, called Pinoa, 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 Pinoa. Hmm. I, I've been, it's, there's a lot of vowels in it, so I've been having a hard time saying Panoa um, in Colorado. And so this tiny little town, and so we stayed in a and b and this woman has alpacas, and then she has like a little mini farm where she is growing vegetables and, and other things, and, um, and then there's like a bunch of trees and stuff. And I was talking with her about it. She's like, it's so funny, it, and we might talk about astrology, but she has like the opposite chart that I do in the way yeah. that, so I'm a Libra, Libra rising, and then a Scorpio moon. She's a Scorpio, and then she's Scorpio, um, and then Scorpio rising, and then Libra moon. Wow, cool. So we're like, yeah. So we were chatting, and, we, and she's like in her 60s, and we were just like talking about it. But there's ways that, I mean, the sustainable farming is, it's totally doable, and it just like makes a lot of sense. Like when you mm -hmm. have like, chickens that eat this and then they poop here and then that fertilizes this. Like, it's like, you can totally just do it by having everything work together instead right. of depleting the soil. And I don't know. And also one of my best friends is the one, one of them that I went on a trip with. She's um, a farmer. And cool. so she was telling me all about like ways that you can totally do it sustainable. And it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we've gotten so far away in our Western mind from working with the seasons and working with yeah. the earth and learning more and teaching about Eastern theory, working with the seasons. It's like, if you just eat the things that are actually available, then you don't need to be eating tomatoes in January. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't need to be, you also don't need, we don't need to be really eating citrus right now because that's actually citrus is kind of grow more in the, well, in Florida mm -hmm. in the, um, in the winter, winter time for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, like noticing those times of like when we need to be eating things, if we just like ate with the seasons, like that alone, I feel like would help out a lot. Right. Yeah. And then just like hearing you talk about how on, if we think about it in these small scale systems where it's like over here, you have this system that's just kind of, it's just functioning because it's yep. got all the parts and we're not fucking it up. And, yep. and so if we have those pockets of that, that's sort of individualized for each bioregion and for the season, like that it's like, oh, so wait, we just need to be doing things like we were like a hundred years ago. And, I know. and then we, again, fucked it up by just focusing on more, 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 cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. And even yeah. like the, so like, I'm not going to go into the whole spiel, but just to say like, 
giant factory farms where you've got like thousands and thousands of animals crammed into these tiny areas. Like, like even if you're gonna, you know, eat your chickens, like that's not the way to do it. That's because we're creating something that's so completely unnatural with that. And then the people will say, well, yeah, but it's, it's cheaper to eat that way than to, it's cheaper to eat that way because the government subsidizes it. So it's just like a really, yeah, we, like said, we've yeah. just gotten so far away from the natural order of things. And there's a way of, like, there are a lot of people that are kind of going, oh, wait, we can do it this way. So, like, thank God it's refreshing because we sort of blew everything up and now we're like, okay, maybe maybe this wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Actually, you're going to be proud of us. We were, so part of our drive was through Kansas. And Kansas is just like, flat you know and just like farmland (laughs) and so we were driving and we were like and my friend Reagan the farmer was like look over there that like line that like big building she's like that's all cows yeah and and it was a hot day she's like you can see the methane coming off of that building like you could yeah you you see like the heat waves like you could see like the heat waves come off of that building and ever since that trip, Andrew and I are like, let's be a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> we're real, like, just being around. And we're like, this is crazy. Like, seeing it. And that wasn't right. even probably one of the big factory farms. That was just, like, a farm that, like, right. had a bunch of cows. Yeah. But, they, but there were also cows and just, like, out roaming free. But then the, these ones were packed in. It was mm. really sad. Yeah. And so, it, like, since we got back, I was like, let, we, were, we were buying groceries. And I was like, let's grill. It's like, let's get portobello mushrooms. He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, That's we're like funny. not totally, you know, cause then I don't right, want to stick with right. the eating. So I'm not trying to like put it as like a rule Flexing, in my brain, but yeah. we're just like, yeah, we're just like, okay, let's just see, you know, how we can make this. And I like, you know, make them, make them really good, but yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, and, and it is a different world now than it was 10 years ago or even five years yeah. ago with that stuff. Cause you yeah. can just find like, Oh, I don't like this vegetarian sausage. There's 13 others that I can try. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't um, all have to be like processed. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, nature. Um the other thing that I was really interested to ask you about is tarot. Yes. Because that's something that's like sort of come up a little bit and on the show so far and and I'm just like I'm interested in it. I like the pretty cards. Yeah. I like I like the idea of accessing intuition, but there's so much about it that just feels like big and overwhelming. And yeah. so anything that, that you just want to share about like sort of your path to that and, and maybe even just what helped it to make more sense to you and to actually feel more like something that's relevant and useful in your day-to-day life. Yeah, totally. So I, it's so funny because, um, when were you born? What year were you born? 86. Okay. So we are part of the Scorpio generation. Mm-hmm. Our Pluto is in Scorpio. Yep. And it's funny. I was just talking about this with, with Jeff, with my astrology teacher, how our generation is becoming interested in more esoteric things mm-hmm. um, and bringing them like to light, light, right? So I've been actually, I've been interested in the tarot since I was very young. Like mm. one of my cousins had it or whatever. And I was like, what is this? And I would just like play <laughs> with it. My sister gave me a deck, um, years ago that I used to play with before I even really knew what it was, but I would just use it at the time. I would just use it as the meditation tool where I would just like shuffle it, pull a card and be like, I don't know what this means, but it looks like it has like a good feeling or it has like a, like a yeah. not so good feeling or whatever. And then just kind of like sit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this past year, I've been wanting to learn more about it. So what I did, well, first of all, I listened to Tarot for the Wild Soul with Lindsay Mack. Um, she does a really great job at, well, she interviews other tarot readers, and she also talks a little bit about the cards and um, just does a really good job um, explaining them in a way that doesn't feel really crazy. Or sometimes tarot can feel intimidating because some of the imagery is a little bit scary, mm-hmm. you know? And so for a lot of people, they're like, Oh, the devil. Oh, death. Like these mean, ter-. and it doesn't necessarily mean that, but so right. she does a good job at, at uh, sussing that out. But what I did is I just got the Rider Waite Smith deck, which is um, what 
almost most of the decks are based off of. That one was made in the early 1900s. Um, and I, at the time I was like, I just want to learn about this. So I would just kind of draw a card a day and then I would look up what it meant. And then I would feel about it and see like, how does this feel about me today? And I just like carried around, I just put it in my planner and like carried around with me all day and just kind of see what that was like. Mm -hmm. So that's how I first started to learn the deck. And then I started playing with doing readings like for myself. And then if my like friends came over, I'm like, you want to do a tarot reading? They're like, yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just start playing with it. And then, um, it's, it's an intuition thing. It's like the more you play with it, the more you start to see like, Oh, this feels like this here. And maybe this is there. Um, so yeah, so I would recommend just getting a deck. I love, like I said, I love the Rider Waite Smith just because that's what a lot of things are based off of. Mm -hmm. But if you relate to another imagery of a deck, then just get that one. It's like, yeah, you know, right. Cause it's all based on those same archetypes at this point. Most of the decks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a really ancient practice. I mean, the Rider Waite Smith is based off of, um, a, an Italian deck, like cool. an old Italian deck. and um, you know, people used to use like chicken bones or whatever with like kind of seeing what was happening. And it's not, um, a predictor in the way that it tells the future. It's just a mirror, you know? Right. So yeah, you pull and it up and you'd be like, oh, and so, and at least one of the things I love about Lindsay Mack is that like, so there are all these different, um, like personality types that come up with it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people would be like, oh, this is your father. Oh, this is your whoever. Oh, this is your mother. And she's like, no, they're all you. And so that's what I really like about it is you pull it up. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else. It's all a reflection on you. Right. And that's, yeah. I love that because that's kind of aligns with the whole idea of exploring our psyche in this deep way and like yeah. looking at, these are all parts of ourselves. That's yeah. what I love about dreams too, is it's like whatever yes. dream you have, these might be characters in your real life, but yeah. they are more than likely they're representing parts of you. Yeah. Um, 100. And, and I mean, you know, we cards. could even go deeper and just say that with relationships, you know, you like, you're like, I don't like that person. And if they didn't do right. anything to you, you're like, why? <laughs> you're like, what is up with them? Like when you explore that, like, why don't I like that person? It's usually yeah. just like, it has to do a reflection on our own stuff. Right. And then there's times where they did fucking do something to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's times where people are just like, not nice. And then it's also right. like, okay, just to like, not like something. <laughs> yeah. But or I love like, why am I really drawn to this person? You know, maybe, yeah. they, maybe they evoke like something that I'm trying to, you know, bring in myself. Yeah. But that phrase you said that it's, it's not a predictor of the future. It's a mirror. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that's just, I feel like I've, maybe I've heard that before, but I, I must have forgotten it because that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me right yeah. now. It's really yeah. cool. Get a deck, start playing with that. I'd also, be, I'd love to, I teach it to people. So I'd love to like get together sometime and I um, just like show yes, you please. some of the foundations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then related to that, the, like just the esoteric stuff, one of the things that you shared is that you're, you're kind of trying to bring more of the energetic work mm. into your, your body work, the massage work that you do. Yes. And so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I actually received my um, Reiki level one and two um, almost four years ago. And it was such a funny, it was like one of those weird things. I was about to move back to Nashville and um, one of the students, actually the kids studio that I originally trained at and then ended up going to work for, um, they were like, hey, we're doing this. Like, like one of our people is doing a Reiki training. Like we really think that you would be really great at it. You should do it. And it was right in my price range. So I was like, oh, sorry. I dropped you. So I was like, um, okay, I guess I'll, like it was just kind of like handed to me. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do this. And so I did it and I was, and it felt really, really great and really interesting, but I just didn't have the confidence to do it for a while. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this doesn't feel true you know I mean it feels true but I'm like am I good enough you know it was like that whole narrative yeah um but in the past I mean I've but I've always it's so funny but I've always had like low-key like Reiki clients yeah like, I would never tell anyone that I did it someone would be like do you practice Reiki and I'd be like yeah and they're like can we do that and I was like okay you know? it's like the red light so, district like, and then lately just people have been coming to me it's just been happening a lot more and I'm like okay I'm gonna just tell people about this and just yeah. kind of put it out there 
So yeah, I do. I mean, I've always done chakra readings. Um, that's with a pendulum. So I can kind of see what's going on with your chakras. Mm -hmm. So I'll often incorporate that just into the body work. Um, especially if I'm working on someone, I'm really feeling something. I find that, uh, my teacher, my, one of my teachers, um, who's also a body worker would say that we like hold our emotions in our body, which is very true. Even mm -hmm. like Bessel van der Kolk, you know, like body, right. keeps, like we know that to be true. Um, and so be working in someone and I'll be like, is this feel like this is like superficial? Like it's like, like they did something or does it feel like it's a deeper thing? And then I'll be like, I feel like it's a deeper thing. And then I'll be like, Hey, can I read this chakra and see what's going on? And then they're like, sure whatever like most people either like yeah or they're like I don't know what that means but okay you know and then I'll start to work out a little bit and so I wanted to um yeah I want to put that out there a little bit more cool of, come out uh, of the Reiki yeah. closet <laughs> yeah yeah awesome <laughs> well I know we're kind of about out of time um oh my so, goodness it just yeah, flew by it did seriously I know I could talk for like two more hours which we should do <laughs> soon I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. There's just so much good stuff um, that hopefully will get people curious and wanting to know more. So where can yeah. people sort of find you both online? And then if they're local, how can they connect with you and the work yeah. that you're doing? So, um, well, first of all, thank you so much. This is such a cool space to talk. And there's just like so many things to open up about. Um, my Instagram handle is Sarah Jane Chap. I have an H at the end of Sarah. Um, and then um, I do have a website that's like in progress, sarahjanechapman.com. Cool. And um, I teach at Steadfast and True Yoga in Nashville. Um, I teach a donation class once a week at Against the Stream, <laughs> Wild Heart Meditation. Um, and um where else do i do things oh i also teach at um the mind body institute which is a massage school i teach yoga and um eastern theory there so but that's for people who are like in massage school but yeah. if you're interested in massage school you should come check us out it's a great awesome program. and, and yeah. yeah last question and you can give the the short answer whatever answer you want to okay. give what's the fucking point <laughs> love <laughs> yeah 100 percent Love right. is the point. And that's what makes me so sad with what's happening in the world right now because people are forgetting Ugh. that. They think that maybe money is the, I don't know, or whatever, right. power is the point. Yeah. But love is the whole point. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And expanding our definition of what that means. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find past episodes and show notes at wonderwelltherapy.com slash podcast. We'll take you to the place to find all of that good stuff if you're looking for links or resources or anything else related to the show. Also, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, it helps more people find out about the show. That's bit.ly slash WTFP review. I'll see you next time. And until then, keep asking those big questions.